This is a series, a series for financial advisors. We offer easy to implement marketing and practice management advice. This is The Stephen and Kevin Show. Welcome back everybody, episode number 97 of The Stephen and Kevin Show. Today, we're gonna tackle 10 of the more common questions we're getting now. We were trying to think through a show topic for today and we were muddling over a few different options and as we were talking about it, we just, there's a lot of questions we've been getting as advisors have been thinking about 2022 and what they're strategizing. So we thought, let's turn that into a show. We're gonna go through some of the most common questions we've been receiving lately and then we're gonna just kind of riff off of each other. Yeah, so uh, generally we get a lot of tactical questions. People want to know, you know, how, how should I improve my video setup? Or yep. what language would you use in this scenario? But here more recently, we've had a lot of broader questions about the direction of marketing in 2022. So we're gonna give ourselves a chance to weigh in on that here today. Perfect. Um, by the way, if you haven't yet, make sure that you subscribe. Hopefully you like the content. Uh, you made it this far, right? Uh, maybe a minute in. So, uh, hey, do us a favor and subscribe. All right, number one. Should I plan on having a significant number of video conference meetings in the future? Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty much. The answer's yes. Okay. All right, well, the next, uh, next one. question. <laughs> no, no um, we did some research on this and 52% of the affluent basically said that they want to continue to do video conferencing with their financial professional even after the pandemic. I mean, it's... We've seen this huge shift, and I mean, I even I know for me personally, I have no problem with that. Getting on a, on, a, on the video conference or WebEx or Zoom with my financial advisor. Yeah, I think there will be a balance. Like I feel like there was a period of time where everything was video conference. Yeah, like it was an automatic default. It was going to, going to be a video conference, and I think we'll move away from some of that. Mm -hmm. Like I, I still think there's merit in having an occasional quick phone call that doesn't require you to get on camera. Sure. Uh, but but generally speaking, there's going to be a heck of a lot more video conferencing going forward into next year than there would have been five years ago. The technology's there. People have accounts with various video conferencing providers now. People have gotten better with it yeah. too, right? And I think when you make that you know, mental, uh, you know, you, when you put your, your foot in the ground and say, going forward, we're going to have a lot more video conferencing, you're more likely to invest the time and energy and resources into having a better video conferencing setup your equipment, yes. your you know, your attention to detail and doing it right. If you haven't done that yet, by the way, do that. Like spend a little time upgrading your setup if you haven't, I'm sure many of you have, um, because that's a, a very common question we get too, is what goes into that setup. But if you think this is a short-term phenomenon that like, hey, eventually everything's gonna go back to in-person, eh, I would challenge that one. Yeah, like when we say dedicating money and energy into that, it may be that you have a, a specific spot that you build out in yes. your office that's meant for video conferencing. We've found a need here to have multiple spots for that in our office as yeah. more and more people are doing it. Definitely, definitely. Okay, next question here is, and we get this one from advisors, you know, at all different stages of their career, but should I hire someone full-time to run my marketing? And our, you know, our thinking, it depends a lot, obviously on the team, the size of the team, but probably not. Well, that usually happens in two ways. Sorry to, yeah. it, to cut you off, but it happens in two ways. We have some people come to us and they, they portray that as, I hire somebody for marketing. Essentially, it's a junior advisor that they want to do some door knocking or cold calling. Which rarely ever right? works. Not a good idea, generally. Yeah. Uh, or that we have people who say, you know what, marketing is really import important to us. We're going to have somebody full-time internally do that. Now, the rub with that, because all else equal, yeah, we'd love for people to invest in marketing. Uh, but if you look at the list of things that they're able to accomplish internally, posting your content, 
maybe playing a role in planning your client events. There's a certain list of things they can work through, which generally in most teams of under a size of 10, let's say, uh, it's not a full-time gig. Yeah, that's right? true. Well, and, and that's why it ends up being a hybrid gig with usually someone who's in more of a service role as well. Um, so full-time person, probably not unless you are a, a sizable team. And there's great, you know, I mean, would I outsource to potential companies? Yeah, potentially. Well, yeah, but you know, as you grow, let's yeah. say you get past that number 10 or 20 employees, yeah. having somebody internally is almost a must because there's a lot of coordination that needs yes. to happen to make sure that you're putting out consistent thought leadership content, that your posts are all in alignment and that sort of thing. So, well, anyway, question number three, should I be spending money on digital advertising? Uh, we think so. We think significant amounts of money on digital advertising. We are convinced that uh, this phenomenon of being found on the internet isn't going anywhere. That's how people are making decisions now. And you can do a ton by putting a little bit of money behind your post. Yeah, and, and you know, it depends upon your revenue, right? As a firm, I mean, in terms of how much budget you're actually putting behind you know, digital advertising, but that's where people's eyes and ears are. That's where they're focused on. And also the ability to track certain metrics is really fantastic with digital advertising. I mean, I remember I was speaking to a team who spends you know $8,000 a month being in some sort of glossy physical magazine that goes out to affluent neighborhoods. And I asked them, I said, well, how many people do you think actually flipped to that page and saw your ad? Well, we have no idea. Like, we don't know. We're just speculating, right? And, and look, I mean, they get it. They're trying to build a brand over the long term. But to be able to come back and know specifically how many impressions you're getting or you know the reach, um, the click-throughs, I mean, being able to see some actual numbers behind it makes it super appealing. And you know, the, the reality is you're only gonna get so far with just organic reach, posting your content. So many people are gonna, I mean, some people are gonna see it, but not as many as you'd like. Yeah, I mean, the organic reach opportunity right now is LinkedIn, hands down, right? So if you wanna be on Facebook, you're gonna have to pay to play. Yeah, so uh, when you're able to do so, you're making people aware of who you are, you're building uh, some kind of relationship even from afar with them, and when the timing is right, when they need a financial advisor, your bet is that they're gonna be thinking of you. Okay, next question here. We're going rapid fire today. Um, and th this is one related to exactly what we're doing right now. Should I be getting into more recorded video content? I think you know the answer to this one. Uh, well, yeah, we happen to be uh, folks who sell uh, recorded video uh, <laughs> services, so we're a little bit biased to plug Oxley Mobile. Um, but yeah, recorded video to us brings every other bit of your marketing to life. If you've got recorded video, your Facebook and LinkedIn feeds are way better. Uh, if you've got recorded video, your website comes to life. Your newsletter is uh, more interesting. Yeah, and it's just creating more content that's, that's humanizing and that people want to consume and actually share with other people. Um, one, one of our recent studies on affluent investors found that the affluent actually send more referrals um, to their advisors who actually create more content. So not that we're going to get into the weeds of that study right now, but there's a strong correlation between referrals and advisors who create. Right. So uh, yes, we do, do think you should be getting into recorded video. Uh, next up, should I plan for much social prospecting in 2022? Uh, social prospect to us is more or less networking, leveraging your community contacts and the places you're involved to get some new business. And we do think that's coming back. We're not here to make predictions about COVID, uh, but we would say that there will be opportunities, whether remote or hopefully back in, uh, in some sense of normalcy, to talk to people about what you do professionally. 
And we think that is a huge missed opportunity for a lot of people out there as they become uh, more tenured in the career, they become a little bit less likely to ask their friends and family to do business with them. Yeah. At a point where their friends and family are in a better position to work with them than they would have been when they started. They just don't ask. And, you know, we did, we did a previous podcast episode all about social prospecting. So, by the way, like if you haven't seen that one and you want to get into the weeds of certain language and different approaches, go back and watch that episode. Um, I think it's, it's really valuable. The other thing here with social prospecting, and, and just to kind of pivot a little bit here is, and it relates, is with intimate events too, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're having some sort of sort of events that you're starting to get back more in person and your clients are bringing prospective clients, that's gonna be a big opportunity. And I know with some of the advisors that I've been working with lately who've jumped back into in-person events, they're like some of their best events that they've held. Mm-hmm. It's like people are just excited about doing something and getting out um, of the house, so. So do we expect social prospecting to have a resurgence? Definitely. Definitely. Do we think that client events are gonna come back in vogue? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And if you wanna have some security that these events can go off, even if let's say the case rate started going back up or something, you know, like, there are ways to plan it to where there's an option for virtual, to where it's being held outdoors, uh, you know, to something that uh, would uh, not be a deal breaker if we got a month from now and, uh, and the conditions were any better. You know, I remember some advisors right in the, the, the heart of the pandemic were doing fun events virtually, right? And they're not ideal, but they were able to, to pull them off. I think what is going to transpire in the coming year is that educational stuff is gonna be more likely to happen by way of webinar, and that the fun stuff is gonna go back to being in person because totally all else equal, who wants to have a bourbon tasting remotely? <laughs> you know? I totally I totally agree with that, or a cooking class, or whatever it was that, that a couple of our advisors were doing. So, all right, cool. Um, next question here is one that we've been getting quite a bit lately, and this is a tricky one. Should I continue posting social content even if I'm not getting very much engagement? Right, so you're creating content, you're putting it out on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you're putting content, and you don't feel great about your numbers. What do you do in, in that scenario? Should you keep posting? Yeah, I would say keep posting, but post something different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and I think the majority of people watching this can relate to, if not now, at some point in your history of posting stuff on social, you've felt like there's maybe a lack of interaction with it. Usually means mix it up a little bit. If you've all, if you've been putting forth all articles, put in some video. If you've been putting in, uh, you know, some videos that weren't doing so well, rethink the concepts. Yeah. So like the medium is one. So and then the other is is what you're actually talking about. So thinking about am I hitting maybe you're not hitting upon the hot buttons of your target market. Maybe it's um, it's too salesy what you're posting. The other thing is, is go and give more engagement, too. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't been doing that, you know, start going out every day and, and instead of just posting every day, going and say, you know what, I'm going to spend 15 minutes today, 20 minutes today, and I'm just going to engage with other people's content. And you'll notice that they'll start to reciprocate. Also, uh, not to get too far into this rabbit hole, but for some people, they you may not know exactly what really good content looks like. Mm. And that's not meant to be a, a slight of anyone, but the, the next action step for some people may be just to go and consume a lot more financial advisor content mm. as a means to finding out like what, what is actually really good and cutting edge out there. And in hindsight, after watching some of that stuff, you may come back and be like, gosh, you know, my articles I'm putting out are pretty boring by comparison, or my videos are a little bit less, uh, you know, they have a little less wow factor than some that are out there. Yes. Last point here on this, and this is don't forget about silent engagement, the people who are just consuming, but not necessarily engaging. 
right? The people who are, who are seeing your posts on a regular basis, but they're not, you know, they're not always there. And, and there's more than you realize mm -hmm. a lot of times. I mean, we've, we've seen that from clients who are in our programs where maybe they're posting a few things and they're, they're not happy right away with the engagement levels. But then during client meetings, the clients are saying, hey, by the way, I've been seeing your posts. Those are some of the best posts I've seen. And, and they're actually referencing it, but they didn't go and engage on the network itself. Yeah, happens done. Uh, next up, related, should I be wearing a suit on camera? Uh, you know, less and less of that. Yeah. Uh, I, I think when you think about video conferencing on a one-to-one -one level, probably not, unless your clients are gonna be wearing suits. You wanna be in somewhat congruence with them. Yeah. Um, and I think generally over the last few years of the dress codes, I mean, you see what we're wearing today versus uh, what we would've worn in some of our early videos. It is different. Um, I think it's a more relaxed environment that we're in today. Yeah, I think I think it, your setting matters too. Like if I maybe it, when I see someone who's at home on a conference call and like you know you can, so they're clearly at home and you can see their living room behind them or their kids and they have like a full suit and tie on, it just feels like there's something off. Like that doesn't match, right? Whether it, maybe they're in a really nice studio or something, then maybe it makes a difference. But I agree, Stephen. I, I don't. I don't see that being something that's a requirement by any means. I've been thinking about it more and watching even sporting events. Some of the commentators on there, mm. I, I don't know why. It just it seems like you're there, you're talking about football or whatever, and you're dressed in like an eight thousand dollars suit. Like is that with even like a necessary? giant t knot on yes. their tie? And um, like that, yeah. Anyway, I agree. Uh, okay, um, next one here. This is this is one and social media related, but and we get this one all the time from advisors who are a little little apprehensive. Should I connect with my clients on Facebook? Like we're talking about just a personal Facebook connection here. We're not saying a Facebook business page and encouraging them to go and like and follow your page. We're saying just personally, should I start connecting with clients on Facebook? Yeah, I, and we've been recommending this for a decade. Yes, because it's hmm, compliant. I mean it. It's America. It's America here. You can do this. Um, or Canada. Uh, yeah. But you're able to do this. And it gives you a great insight into what this client's all about. Yeah. Their passions, their friends, their where they've been spending time. And all this stuff you can bring out into conversation with clients as well. It just makes the whole relationship a little bit richer. There is, um, this is pre-pandemic. We were giving a presentation and there was an advisor who came up to us afterwards and said, hey, I read your article in, I think it was, wealthmanagement.com at the time, and it was about connecting personally with clients on Facebook. That was years ago. And he said, I thought, eh, I'll just give it a shot. And he said, man, it's transformed the relationships I have with those clients. Mm -hmm. I know way more about them. They know way more about me. They're coming into client reviews and they're asking me about my kids and the last baseball game that they had and blah, blah, blah. He's like letting them in a little bit to the personal life. I think the other aspect of it is creating more touch points. So like, I can only take a client out so many times to lunch before they're like, all right, I don't need lunch anymore, right? But I can engage with you every week on Facebook, right? I can comment, I can react, and a comment obviously is gonna be more noticed, but it's creating that top of mind awareness with them. Yeah, and there's no absolutes with any of this. I think it's interesting to have a broader tool set. Yeah. Like, Facebook is one, one part of that tool set, just the same as you know, in-person lunches are or client events, each client's wired a little bit differently. Your quickest way of connecting with a client like Kevin would be through social media, staying in touch with him in that way, yeah. as opposed to wanting to come and take him out to lunch periodically. He's gonna be like, eh, you know, we got yeah. a lot going on here. Well, it's, it's a bigger commitment, right? Yeah. So, so uh, it, it goes right into the next one, which is, should I be tracking different metrics 
going forward in 22? And the answer is yes, for a lot of people out there. The metrics going into 22 are gonna be vastly different than five years ago. You know, things like, uh, you know, the number of followers you built, by the way, if you haven't already, follow us, subscribe to our channels. Uh, but the number of followers that you're gaining could be a metric. Yeah. The number of one-on-one -on -one video conferences would be a metric. Like for most financial advisors out there, your service models uh, will will be needing, they need a change, right? And That's and so true. The yeah. only way that uh, we can ensure that all that's being done is by tracking the right metrics as an organization. Number of video conferences, number of client events, number of social media. Uh, and get in interactions, yeah. Yeah, followers, uh, how, many, how many times you're posting each week, creating original content, um, impressions, views. I mean, I think, I think, you know, obviously you can see us skewing more and more and more, more digital when we talk about some of those things, but you, you got to measure them. And are you getting in front of people more regularly? I mean, marketing at its core is very simple. It's putting the right message in front of the right people. And so measuring some of those types of metrics to know that you're getting the reach that you should be getting. Yeah, so you think about this is a good time of year to be thinking about business planning, but what the, the core of it, it ought to culminate into a handful of key metrics that you're tracking. Yeah. And the question is, as a group, what are those gonna be for you? Uh, as always, Coaching is a big help for this. If you're not a part of our coaching program already, consider it because you know as you weigh the direction of your business, you're not gonna pick it up from an article uh, or a quick podcast like this. You need somebody who knows what they're talking about, like one of our coaches who can weigh in and say, look, uh, I've been around this, I've seen a ton of teams like yours and bigger, and I can tell you the direction that I would recommend you go. We just finished a, a um, research project of our existing coaching clients and asking them about their coaching experience. And the number one and number two thing that they value the most, number one is what? Having a sounding board, having another person who's experienced to bounce ideas off of and to give you feedback. And number two is accountability. Someone who's actually going to hold your feet to the fire, push you a little bit more than you would have been, you know, and make you do things that you probably wouldn't have done necessarily on your own, on your own or done them consistently. Hey, if you have questions, uh, chime in, email us. Uh, info at oxley.com is a great way to do it. Chime in on our social channels. Certainly comment uh, below this video if you're watching it on YouTube. And uh, yeah, happy to field these as they come along. Thanks for joining everybody.